Hey, 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 welcome to the Halos in the Infield flagship podcast with your hosts, Todd Fox, Fernando Mendez, and Courtney from Riverside. Hey, 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 it's another episode of Halos in the Infield on the flagship podcast of Halos in the Infield with your host, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show. Fernando, the Lone Star Halo. How's it going, everybody? And we have a special guest today, all the way from, I believe, Pittsburgh, but it is yes, Urinating sir. Tree. Absolutely. How are you guys doing today? He's the famous YouTuber out there. If you wow. haven't seen his breakdown, he is, he is. Don't be modest. I ain't uh, famous. I'm just a dude. Let's be real. <laughs> hey, hey I, I do have a bone to pick with you on your Coyote Ugly video, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> No, no. I mean, it, it, it's all justifiable, right? I mean, my team and the organization's garbage. The ownership's been garbage forever. But uh, I just hate being called out on it. It's not my fault as a fan. I, I, I don't blame you. Fault. I don't blame you. I get it. Like, I understand. I mean, you've been getting that nonstop for, what, 10, 15 years? More? Correct. I became a fan in 2016, so. <laughs> mm, true. <laughs> Well, his lifetime as a Coyote fan, but you're yeah, exactly. if you haven't gone to his YouTube page, please like and subscribe because he does some fantastic breakdowns on baseball teams, certain players, including our one Artie Moreno, our owner, which he did a fantastic job on that video. If you haven't seen it and you're an Angel fan, you need to watch it, whether you're pro Artie or against Artie. It's a really, really good video. But uh, with that being said, let's get the st- show started, my man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, let's. Um... Real quick, let's start off by talking about the Pirates. So they started off the year rather hot. They were one of the best teams in baseball for a you know significant portion of the beginning of the season. So how surprised were you at the super hot start? I know we brought you on early, I think before the season started, and we were talking about Andrew McCutcheon and his homecoming. Uh, do you think it, that played any part at all in the success of the team, having that veteran presence? I think it did for a little bit, not just with Andrew McCutcheon. You have Rich Hill on the mound, uh, Dick Mountain. You have um, uh, Carlos Santana in the infield as well. G-Man Choi, you didn't really have that last year. I think it, it did a little bit to play. I think what also did it, you had a really soft schedule to start the year. Uh, White Sox, the Red Sox were kind of eh. The Astros are probably the toughest opponent you face. You also had uh, Cincinnati, Washington, a really sluggish St. Louis team. And also a few other uh, pieces as well in there. So that's why you started like 20 and 8, 20 and 9. Because once again, I, I was more cautiously optimistic towards that start because I know it's like, okay, this is a weak start. They're probably going to come down to earth and maybe taper off a bit. But unfortunately, the wheels have really come off since mid-June when they were surprisingly leading a division that no one wants to win. And then it's just. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, like, we looked at the Brewers and everyone assumed in the offseason the Brewers were going to run away with that division. Maybe the Cardinals are going to give them a little, uh, you know, push a little bit. But the Cardinals, like you said, got up to a hor- horrific start. And mm-hmm. then uh, Cincinnati uh, got up to a bad start, too, although they've yep. been one of the hottest teams late. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that division was right there for you guys to take in the first couple months, and, and the Pirates looked really good. And uh, they were one of those, uh, you know, surprise teams that everyone was kind of like kind of cheering for, even though, you know, if they're outside the division anyway. Yeah. Uh, hitting has gotten really mortal. Like, it's very inconsistent. The team in general is. Like, you have white-hot performances by you, Mitch Keller, Johan Oviedo, uh, Ronsi Contreras had a few decent starts, but unfortunately he's not had a great year. Rich Hill's been a veteran presence. You have a really strong bullpen in aspects as well. 
And then you have hitters like Jack Sawinski can tear the cover of the ball. Like Reynolds was doing all right until he got injured for a bit. Same as McCutcheon. He's having the strongest season he's had since probably leaving Pittsburgh. And then you have a few other pieces that are coming here and there as well. But unfortunately that's been very few and far between, especially since over the last month, month and a half where it's just uh you've had like pieces or flashes of that brilliance. But unfortunately it's uh you're kind of back to where you were the last couple of years, where it's just like, you're not good. I mean, we're already 13 games under 500. I'm surprised this pirates won a game against the angels in this series, just because they've been that just out of sorts. I know um, Derek Shelton got an extension, I believe, in late May, early June. I think it was like a one-year. But now they're, he's back on the hot seat again because the team's just falling apart. Yeah. Who do you think is your best starting pitcher? Is it Mitch Keller? It's Keller. Yeah, unfortunately, his last few starts have been uh, very iffy. Like, he has not been up to the standard Mitch Keller's. Even on Sunday, where it's like – this is the second straight start where he's been iffy, not just against you, but against Cleveland, where they got smacked in the first two games against a team that hasn't been able to do anything on offense. So that's been the Pirates' MO. They've just been more or less giving momentum to the other team just because they haven't really gotten out of the schneid. Well, I'm glad you brought up the fact that he has given up a pretty decent amount of runs his last two starts. So against the Angels, five innings pitched, six earned runs. Yes. Against Cleveland, six earned runs. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, six innings pitch, eight earned runs. But against Arizona, seven innings pitch, no earned runs. Mm-hmm. So why do uh, why does the team allow him to stay in the games so long? Is he just to eat innings? That's simply all he's doing at this point. I would say probably because he's your best pitcher. You think you want to rely on the man on the rock, and I think that's why you kind of give him a longer leash than usual. Because over this past year, he's more than earned that opportunity, especially to uh, try and, you know, get out of jams that usually he wouldn't in his first couple of years, because the main thing is he's, he's, you're an all-star candidate this year. Well-earned uh, Bednar was another all-star candidate. They were talking about Suwinski Reynolds, if he were healthy. So the main thing there is, I think that's why like these past two starts, I think it's more of an aberration. I think he'll be able to kick himself out of it. But at the same time, it is pretty disappointing. The inconsistencies, is it because of the coaching staff in your mind or is it just the the general uh, experience of the young kids mixed in with the veterans or are you guys having a problem with leadership? I don't think it's a leadership issue. I think there's enough there. But the main thing is probably just the youngness of the team. It's very raw. We brought up, had a, more than a few injuries. Like a Brian Hayes has been out for a good bit. There's a hole at third base. You have um, Brian Reynolds was out for a hot minute. McCutcheon's been out. Uh, Vince Velasquez was doing very well, but unfortunately he's out for the year now. They've had a few other injuries in pitching staff. G-Man Choi's been out for a good bit. He's finally come back. Um, So there's that. You also have a lot of the younger guys, like your top prospects that are starting to come up. Henry Davis has been called up, yet they're playing him in right field instead of catcher because they like Austin Hedges' defense, but he can't hit for shit. Unfortunately, that's been his issue. He's a quintessential backup catcher. Really great defensively. He hits like me at the plate. It's just, it's not good. I mean, well, that's insulting to him. I mean, I'm pretty bad, but as I said, it's like, it's like 150 is his average. Like he's not hitting much at all, unfortunately. And then there's, you know, Jared Triolo, who has had his flashes in the minor leagues. He's kind of holding his own, kind of, not really, but he's still doing all right there. 
You have uh, Leo Verpeguero that's just been called up. Uh, Colin Priester, the mm-hmm. one of the prospects. He got shelled in his first start, unfortunately. But, yeah, I think he might have been kind of rushed just because they're trying to get something going in that system. Andy Rodriguez, another top prospect, has also been called up. So you have a kind of a catching logjam. And I think Austin Hedges might be the guy to go there. And I think that's part of the reason why they've been inconsistent because I think the team was playing over its head. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is a very young team. And a lot of the veterans are kind of at the tail end of their careers. Mainly, you know, Rich Hill, Santana, um, yeah, they're closer to 40. Yeah, I mean, Kutch is like, he's doing all right. I think he'll be here for another couple of years. Like the rumor is like, you know, these being rumored in trade deadlines. I think the plan is they want to keep him around at least for this season and maybe next. Okay. So I think that I don't <laughs> think he's going to get traded. I like how you brought up Austin Hedges. Now, uh, growing up, that's definitely a guy who uh, I watched a lot of in San Diego. Yes. Um, and he was kind of part of that Padres hot talent lava, you know, that AJ mm-hmm. Preller was talking a lot about. Um, and none of those guys really ever panned out for San Diego. They obviously started trading away those pieces mm-hmm. to get the bulk of the roster they have now. So with that being said, Austin Hedges, you said, great defensive catcher, arguably one of the best defensive catchers in baseball. But his offense, like you said, the guy can't hit worth a lick, couldn't hit water, he fell off a boat. Do you think that there is always a market for a guy like Austin Hedges because of his catching ability? And does he only get away with that because he's a catcher and we live in an era where there isn't a ton of great catchers right now there will be soon but not yet i'd say in in general a quality defensive catcher will always have a role in major league baseball even as a backup who plays 50 games a season just because of the way baseball is there's a lot of wear and tear on the catcher position there's a lot of demand and it's a little more forgiving if you're a weak hitting catcher that has great defense. So he'll bounce around at least as a backup. I don't know if he'll be in Pittsburgh next year because, you know, Henry Davis and Endy are probably going to be your two starting catchers moving forward. But was at the Davis same the time, guy you guys drafted first overall a couple years ago? Davis, yes. Yes, he was. Okay. That was the uh, Jack Leiter Kumar Rocker draft. So, like, I understood oh. the logic behind it because, like, if you get a great hitting catcher, it's worth his weight in gold. Like you're paying, that's a $25 million player right there just because they're so rare. Like look at what JT Real Muto fetched and what he's getting paid now. What is yeah, the vibe? Be- oh, what is the vibe oh. with the Pirates, um, uh, you know, fan base as far as playing hedges? Because it's got to be frustrating playing a guy who's not batting his weight because we've had to deal with that last year and this year with Andrew Velasquez. I still can't stand the fact that we're, we have a guy that hits way better, Stefanik on the bench. We had other options. And we're still obsessed. Nevin is obsessed with playing Velasquez. Is there that uh, saying or that feeling amongst Pirates fans that they're obsessed with that defense, so they gotta play Hedges? Yes, I believe so. And it is absolutely frustrating if you see on Twitter a lot. There's a lot of frustration by they're playing Henry Davis at right field, which is a position he's not really good at when mm-hmm. he's drafted as a catcher. And that is a lot of frustration. There are a lot of calls to you know send Hedges away, DFA him, which they're not going to do. They'll probably trade him for maybe an A-ball prospect, someone low, maybe like a relief prospect, because you're not going to get much for that in return. You will get something, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. But um, there is a lot of frustration. You, It's the same issue with you and Velasquez. Okay, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the series, Todd. Uh, now that, you know, uh, urinating tree has caught us up to speed with the Pirates and, uh, you know, where they are as an organization. Actually, real quick, before I do, before we do that, let me ask you this. 
Judging by the flashes of success you did see early, do you have hope that in the next, you know, two or three years, the Pirates will be not only trending in the right direction, but be playoff contenders consistently again with those young guys? Possibly, depending on how they develop them. I'm okay with how the season went because you've at least shown that flash of being all right. Because the last few years, you went on a deep, deep rebuild where you're supposed to be trash. And there was like no hope. Like 19 had that massive collapse, which kind of triggered the mass regime change that they honestly needed, plus the deep rebuild. And you've traded a lot of those guys. And uh, by the way, uh, AJ Preller, I mean, you pretty much secured a ton of their prospect system in return for Adam Frazier and uh, Joe Musgrove, which has honestly worked out in both trades for the Pirates. I mean, the thing is, too, like it depends on what they're looking to do at the deadline. I know there's like rumors that they're shopping Mitch Keller and David Bednar just in case like there's an unbelievable offer out there. But like there's going to be a lot of backlash if that happens again, even if the return is unbelievable. But the question is, I um, I I don't think they're actually going to trade them. I think they're just like, okay, if it's like a really deep seller's market. Like, say, for example, it's like with you guys and Shohei in a little bit of a sense. I know there's a lot of rumors about them, but Arnie is steadfast that he does not want to give them up unless they're like way out of the playoff race. Yeah, which I I honestly at this point where we are so close to the trade deadline, I don't see that happening unless there's an absolute collapse the next week here. But even then, knowing Arnie and him being so obsessed with the dollar signs, I just don't think he does it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, even if... Even if like you don't sign him because of the luxury tax and you don't find a way to get rid of um Anthony Rendon, which is the reason you haven't been able to sign Shohei, unfortunately. Like I think that's Artie's will to just like at least, okay, I want to get butts in seats. I want to have a shot to make the playoffs, get that extra revenue. And and even if they don't make it, he'll see it as like, okay, I at least tried to get there. Even if it damages the franchise long term. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all it's all about what he looks like. It's not about what's good for the team, unfortunately. Absolutely. And what we were thinking about the other day, and you, I'm glad you brought up Rendon before we get into uh, uh, the, the other series. take. Yeah, the series. It, it's frustrating as an Angels fan because there are, were still a lot of Angel fans that were reluctant to boo this guy at home. And, and, you know, it's, they feel, oh, you know, the angels fans being so nice, they don't want to boo him. But the way he's been talking on Twitter and he's been quoted when they, uh, you know, our reporter, Sam Blum went down there and said, Hey, how's the injury? And he quoted, he was quoted as saying, I'm not here. And then Nevin said, Hey, you know what? Um, he's frustrated. Uh, he finds it almost comical how many times he's been hurt. And the type of injury he's had is like, to most people, a deep bone bruise with a few broken blood vessels nothing to write home about but he's been out like two or three weeks already and then he's talking about another two or three weeks yeah i mean he's yeah. this is like the third time he's been on ir this year right yeah more more times on the ir than than home runs yes and that's absolutely alarming because that was one of the moves that Artie moreno specifically pulled off correct yeah, after the Garrett Cole thing fell through, that was the immediate pivot. It, it was, and, it know, was a, it was literally a fantasy football move. The first top guy, yeah. Garrett Cole, was pulled off the board. Let's go to the next best player. No matter mm-hmm. what kind of position we need, let's get him. Yep. Yeah. What's and now from the outside looking in, just as a baseball fan, what is your perception of Anthony Rendon? You know, now you got, I'm sure you got to see a little bit more of him when he was with Washington because, you know, you got to see the Nationals. Um, But what's your perception of him now? 
Great player when he's healthy. Unfortunately, he's no longer healthy. That was the big issue with him coming out of college, that he had injury issues. Like, he managed to stay healthy in Washington for a few years, had that incredible 2019, which helped mm-hmm. him lead to a World Series. But the risk was always his injury proneness, and that was the main like question mark with him going and signing that big contract. L.A. gave him the dollars, and unfortunately, he's been injured nearly every single year since 2021. And unfortunately, that trend hasn't been changing anytime soon. He now has negative value, which means you're going to have to give up top prospects or buy him out just to get rid of that contract. And Artie is never doing that. He's never retaining salary on a deal with that. So unfortunately, that's the consequence of paying one because Artie never wants to go above the luxury tax unless he's visited by three spirits and wants to just go for a championship. (laughs) That Shohei is pretty much gone. Because he's going to want $50 million plus, and he more than deserves it. Yeah, and the thing that really, really sucks with the whole Rendon thing is that's all our, our audience ever says. You look at any of our posts, it's always, oh, well, we need a DFA him. It's like, well, you're not going to DFA, DFA him. You're well, never he's got three him. years left. Now, if we're talking about one year with $38 million left, I mean, we did that with yep. Pujols. They did, a, they did a large portion of that with Upton. Okay, yep. we can take an L on a year. But you're not going to take an L on what 115 million dollars. No. That's just way no. too big of a hit for any organization. No. But that I have a very, very bad feeling that this is going to be one of the worst contracts in sports when it's said and done. This is going to be on one of those top tier just yep. free mm. joke books. Do you think it's worse than Josh Hamilton? Yes. Yes, because Josh yeah. Hamilton did have positive war his first two seasons. Yeah, he we, was a still in what 80 RBI guy. We actually did a whole episode where we broke it down for 45 minutes. Where if you look at the nitty gritty of it, we compared it to Greg Vaughn. We compared it Mo, to Mo Vaughn. It was Mo, Mo, sorry. It was Mo Vaughn's uh what is it? Uh it was Albert Pujols, Gary Matthews Jr. Uh we went through the whole list of these free agents that were just, you know, that didn't make sense that we signed long term. And the only one that numbers wise, uh, that he's actually put up a little bit better numbers is Zach Cozart. And that's because Cozart was <laughs> out the entire year. Yeah, he was so. injured and you had to give up a first round pick just yeah. to get rid of that deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which didn't end up being a bad deal, by the way. If you look, Will Wilson has not panned out. Yeah, that's true. He has been very bad with San Francisco. Uh, it's the it's the concept of it. That's the mm-hmm. problem. Yeah. Of course, you gave up your top asset that you drafted that year just to get San Francisco to take on, I believe it was like $60 million. Yeah, $16 million or something like that. Um, but one more question. Do you think this deal will be worse than Chris Davis's deal in Baltimore? Now, that's a tough one. But the only benefit that Baltimore has, they are currently contending. They will be one of baseball's better consistent teams over the next five years because they're so young and they're so dominant. So the Chris Davis contract, I feel, doesn't hinder them as much as the Rendon contract is going to continuously haunt the Angels for the next three years. I I think if it comes down to it where – this deal with Rendon, like you said, inhibits the re-signing. Like if Artie can only go a certain amount of money because of it, yes, it is definitely the worst one because without Rendon's contract there, who knows, maybe we get Shohei back. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what, what we, me and him were talking about, uh, you know, Lone Star was we needed a hard reset like the Orioles, you know, a few years ago, and we haven't Absolutely. done it. It's just been, hey, plug a hole here, plug a hole there, get a shiny new toy here, one here. 
it just hasn't worked out. And that's why I think that's what's so frustrating as an Angel fan right now. And then top it off with the Rendon stuff. It's just unbearable. And unfortunately, as long as Artie's going to be your owner, you're never going to get that hard reset. And Correct. I get it because the Pirates in the mid to late, like 17, 18, 19, they never did that hard reset. They always were like, okay, we had a 10-game winning streak. Let's throw everything for like a, a pri- like a – an extreme name brand and Chris Archer, yeah, Keone Kella, both never panned out. They were miserable trades. Uh, but uh, like 2019 was the like situation where it's like, okay, you need that epiphany. And that's when they finally chose to st- strip it down. And it's been a couple years of pain. And that's what you're going to be getting into. Artie doesn't want to do that because it's going to lead to fewer people coming in through the turnstiles, fewer concessions, fewer like uh, merchandising sales. So that would hurt the bottom line. So that's why I feel at the same time, like he just wants to focus on that, maximize his profit margins and just whenever he sells the team, that's someone else's problem. That's why we all laughed when he said unfinished business. We were like, really? Cause that was the worst thing. We were all jazzed up for the season to start. And then that was what kicked off the season was, Hey, I'm back fellas. And we're like, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. That's the last thing we all wanted. Um, I think that's th- all baseball. That's the last thing they wanted. <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah, it, it, he's just such an aggravating owner, and, and it's just so hard because realistically, we, and we know as true baseball fans, he isn't serious about winning. For him, it's always been about the dollar signs. And you know what? It is his business at the end of the day. So I will give him that. And if you look at it in terms of being a businessman, he was successful, right? He bought this investment, has now made his money over tenfold times a hundred, really. But honestly, I feel like he should have sold when he had the chance. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, especially with the RSN issues that could potentially, I mean, that's going to be what um, almost like nine figures that might be lost if that goes the wrong way. Correct. I mean, he he had some offers upwards to three billion dollars, and he, for buying a team at what just over or under two hundred million, that's yeah, quite yeah. that's quite yeah. the uh, investment. <laughs> that's an incredible investment. That's a tenfold return on interest in twenty years. Yes, like that's that's jealousy money right there. Right, and he made profit probably every year too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It would have been crazy to see how like. So let's just say we live in a world where he didn't uh, try to make that underhanded deal with the city of Anaheim, which forced the mayor, Harry Zadu, to resign and then go under an FBI investigation. Let's assume that didn't happen. And we live in a world where now Artie Moreno not only owns the parking lot around Angel Stadium, but he now, uh, you know, broke ground on it. Does he, A, still consider selling the team? And B, if he does, how much more valuable is the organization now that they have prime real estate in Southern California to do what essentially whatever they want on it. Like I would only imagine that increases the value. It, it might, it might nearly double it. If you think about it, cause you have untapped potential with a lot of that land. You could turn that part those parking lots into shops, a whole team Mecca for the angels and just make it just a cash printing cow, mm-hmm. not just 
for the baseball season, but you can have like a concert venue. You could probably, oh, yeah. you, know, you could make a deal with the Anaheim Ducks. Like if you want to add a hockey arena or something like that. So hey, not to mention you have that. Disneyland. That's a mile down the road. I exactly. mean, you know, Hey Disney, you want some land here for a new shopping center? Get rid of your downtown Disney. Here we go. You know, mm -hmm, exactly. So that's, it's a, if you're smart with your business and development plans, you can print money, especially in such prime land in Orange County. Correct. Because we saw the artist rend uh what is it, the drawings? Rendition. Yeah, yeah, renditions of yeah, I mean he had shops all around it. Uh mm -hmm. everything was uh, uh hired uh Disney type parking structures. So I mean it, it looked amazing and probably because the way they built up around the stadium, I don't know if you've been out to Anaheim lately, but as a kid you used to be able to drive and see it for miles. Now you have to like be just in the right spot to, to glimpse at it because it's surrounded by condos, and that's not even where the where he wants to build all that stuff. I've never actually been to Anaheim, unfortunately. Oh. So, well, it, it, always, I've only been to San Fran uh, twice, San Jose last year. Well, if you get so, a chance but... to come down here, you'll see Space Mountain a lot easier than the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to come out of an Angels game. How, how many stadiums have you been to, Tree? Ooh, I, I gotta think because uh, like i i've been over like a five-year span uh with my ex so i know like the only ones i haven't really been to in the northeast have been detroit and cincy haven't been to atlanta or miami i've been to everywhere else in the northeast uh uh furthest out i've been is probably milwaukee chicago so probably about 10 to 12 stadiums i would say okay mm -hmm. yeah i'm at 17 myself so milwaukee super underrated Yes, um, it's a beautiful stadium. I also, I've also been to uh, Oco and uh, Oracle Park, so probably more like 14, 15. Okay, yeah, so uh, Oakland, obviously, bottom of the barrel along with Tropicana. You, know, <laughs> yeah, you, you uh, can pick your choice uh, there. <laughs> uh, Oco, it, it was like a throwback to Three Rivers Stadium when I was a kid. It's like okay. that kind of feel. I okay, P PNC, widely regarded as one of baseball's best ballparks. Beautiful. In your opinion, is it the best out of the ones you've gotten to go to? Very close. Uh, the only ones that have come close to me have been Oracle and San Fran and Camden Yards in Baltimore. Like those are the three of the upper, upper tier. For me, my three favorite, um, and I can't give you an exact order because they change all the time. Uh, mm. It is Baltimore. Yep. I, I would say Wrigley Field's probably number three. And number two, probably San Francisco or, mm. or uh, Colorado. I've never been to Colorado. Uh, mm -hmm. Wrigley's not bad too. It has that very uh, that old charm. Same as Fenway. Fenway was very Fenway. good. By winter. Yeah, Fenway uh, has a lot of old charm to it. So, okay. like, if you like Wrigley, you'll like Fenway. Okay, because I know they just redid Wrigley a couple years ago. I don't know if you've gotten mm -hmm. to watch that documentary yet. The Cubs did I, one where it was like an hour long. It was really good. I think I went after the renovation, so they had the big scoreboard and a few other things as well. I actually went to a Cubs game where Cargo was playing on the Cubs. He was there for a hot Whoa. minute. Oh, okay. I think it was after he got cut from Cleveland. Well, if you ever get a chance to come out to the West Coast, you got to make sure it's when the Padres and Angels are at home and hit both because they're not too far mm -hmm. from each other. Uh, Padres is a beautiful stadium. Um, Me and him go back and forth about it, about me, which is the best one in the West Coast. And I say it's San Diego. He says uh, Frisco. But yeah, well, uh, I mean, I got to go like all three. I got to go Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, and Petco. There you go. Because they're both relatively within, what, an hour or two of each other? Correct. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what, Dodger Stadium and Anaheim, we're talking 45 minutes, no traffic if you leave, like, at the right time. 
Yeah, but um, that's 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 unfortunately yeah. a good luck charm, especially with what I hear about LA traffic. Yeah, well, there there is transportation now. You could take the the train to to Union Station. They have a free bus that takes you up to uh, Dodger Stadium and back. So that's easy because then you could take that train straight to Anaheim Stadium too. Yeah, so actually, that would probably be the best bet for me, honestly. Yeah, there is yeah, ways of getting around it. The, the parking at Dodger Stadium, I think, is fifty dollars now. Yeah, it's it's up there. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's high. M- I mean, McCourt, it's not... McCourt's still cashing in on that. Yeah, McCourt's I paid $47. I, I paid $47 at Yankee Stadium earlier this year, and I paid 40 in Wrigley. So, mm-hmm. And Pittsburgh is like uh, close to the park. Like if the slow walking distance is like 15. Yeah, that's not that's 15, not 20. That's not bad at all. Nope. Angel Stadium is 20 bucks now, right? Yeah, they just went to 20 bucks this year. It was $10 for like a decade. So that was yeah. the only cool thing that, you know, Artie did a little things where the beer's cheaper, the food's mm-hmm. cheaper, but this year he's like, fuck you. And he raised everything. <laughs> <laughs> Got to pay for Anthony Rendon and Trout. Got to exactly. pay for those contracts. Exactly. He pissed off a lot of fans this year because he raised the prices on everything. Um, the last thing I want to say before we really dive into the series um, is – we, you had mentioned, uh, your name had mentioned hitting the hard reset button for the Angels and how that's just not possible because of our ownership. The other thing that I want to bring up is how hard it would be to hit the reset button as an Angels organization because I feel like we don't have too many players that have legitimate value, right? Mike Trout's value right now is not what it was. Three tied in the, the contract. It's tied in the contract. Plus, you have injury issues. You have the hamate bone issue, which unfortunately is going to rob him of power at least for the yeah. next couple months, mm-hmm. just because that's where most of your power generation comes from is hamate. Absolutely. Bone. And then Rendon, you're, that's negative value. I mean, most of your guys yeah. that are going to have value are those with small contracts. Uh, for yeah. example, Hunter Renfro. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah um, not really Renfro, like Zach Neto, like those guys, Reed Detmers, um, like Joe Adele, not really. Like he hasn't really panned out. Like um, Mickey Moniak, if you wanted to trade high on him, you'd probably get good value for him. True. Um, yeah. Like Logan Ohapi, like it's going to be depressed because of the injury, just yeah. in case there. But uh, like I said, like um, there have been like guys that have come and gone, like Taylor Ward's still kind of there, but kind of tapered off. Jared Walsh was doing really good, but unfortunately he had uh, neuro issues. He hasn't done the same since. Um, you know, um, Brandon Marsh, he's done well since Anaheim, but it's just like the guys that haven't really just pieced around them too much. Correct. And I think right now with this crop of guys that have come up, even Trey Cabbage, um, the fans have really wrapped themselves around these guys and the, the pulse and the angel fans are like, man, we can't lose these young kids. These young kids got to be the core. They got to be the, the foundation for the future. Mm-hmm. But then again, like you said, you know, if you're really going to tear down to the studs, I mean, maybe they have to be, you know, mentioned because you got Quero coming through the the minors too. Nope. But 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 the I think the Angels fans for the first time that we've noticed, they're really embracing that youth movement. Like they want to see the kids take over the team because they don't see that true leadership from from your Trouts or your Rotanis. I mean, they're just not built to be those clubhouse leaders. They're built to lead by example. They're not really yep. – they're not really they're not vocal. vocal. Yep. And, and that's why the Mike Moustakas trade has been so big. Mike Moustakas has been a key guy for a lot of these wins mm-hmm. since that trade took place, and he's been very vocal and very out there. Plus, he's a champion. So that's the kind mm-hmm. of guy who, you know, at least in a baseball clubhouse, if he speaks, you listen. Yeah, he's been he- there. 
he did something that I hadn't seen in a while. Like they threw at Renfro after he had a home run and he got up on the um on the on the uh the dugout railing and was like, You wanna throw at someone, throw at fucking me, don't throw at him and he was yelling in their dugout and they didn't respond. They were just like, All right, all right, because most yeah. looks pretty intimidating, man. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, he's doing pretty well for you guys too since that trade. Correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh so that's a a good segue now. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about the series. So game one, the Angels did win eight to five. And that was the Shohei Otani day. Uh, mm. Shohei Otani was looking to get right <clears throat> as he'd been struggling a little bit uh, on the bump. He went up against, uh, how do I say, Oviedo? Johan Oviedo, yes. Okay, okay, cool. I, I didn't completely butcher it then. So uh, he was 3-11 now with a 4.77 ERA after this game. And Shohei Otani is now 8-5 with a 3.71 ERA. And this was Carlos Estevez's 22nd save of the season. For whatever reason, my box score is not loading up. Todd, do you have it? Uh, no, I didn't have it. I thought you were going to have it. But I just know the Pirates hit four home runs. The catcher, now right fielder for the Pirates, had two of them. And uh, Otani looked very hittable that night, but the Angels did fire back with four of their own. So it was like a slugfest, and uh, they almost they tried to give the game away a, a little bit there, but the Angels held on with Estevez getting that save, eight to five. Um, that one, look, I love them in their old school uniforms that night. The Angels looked oh, yeah. good, good, but uh, I was kind of hoping the Pirates would go with their throwbacks too, uh, but didn't happen. Um, I love the throwbacks. Yeah, throwbacks of the Pirates are good. Um, what did you think as far as – I know you didn't catch much of the series, but as far as the Pirates hitting, it was at least a little bit, you know, uh, uh, not not concerning, but at least it, it felt good that they were able to hit the long ball and, you know, get some hits against Otani. Yeah, they did. I know they – I think Otani gave up back-to-back home runs for the first time, I believe, in a long time. Correct. Yeah, so I, I I would say there, as I said, there's those consistency issues. You have those flashes of brilliance, like for example, the back-to-back home runs. Uh, Henry Davis had an outstanding game; like he's been hits. holding his holding his own there. Mm-hmm. But the otherwise, you have like you know black holes. Tucapito Marcano had a really good start, but unfortunately hasn't been the same. Nick Gonzalez has been very hot and cold. Uh, Jerry Triolo has been very hot and cold, very empty average, unfortunately. But he's more of a replacement for Brian Hayes. Uh, Jack Sawinski can be really good once he gets the ball too, but I mean, it's, it's the same song and dance. Like you have guys that hit well, but it hasn't been able to piece together consistently. And that's been the pirates MO. And once the bullpen starts to fall apart, like it did say after Oviedo kind of lost his gas. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what ends up happening, unfortunately. And a guy like Santana over there at first base, he's been kind of like, he started out hot and he had a good season last year, um, but coming over to Pittsburgh, you know, like he's supposed to fill that first base role for a while, and he's been really struggling. He reminds me a lot of Taylor Ward, you know, like underperforming. You know, he's hitting about 228. Uh, Ward's hitting like 240 now, but he was down there too. Uh, it's frustrating to see some of these veterans that you would think that would carry on, but if, like you said, inconsistent at bats. Oh, Carlos Santana has has been on the decline for a couple of years, unfortunately. So this is probably his last stop. He's more here for the veteran presence and to lead the young guys in certain ways. He's had some big at bats. Like, for example, I went to a game against Milwaukee a few weeks ago, walk off home run against Matt Bush, which is probably the last game Matt Bush will play. Unfortunately, like he's mm. kind of cooked, like first pitch he threw, bam, like just moonshot into the Allegheny. 
But at the same time, I think like Santana is more of a placeholder until say like a G-Man Choi comes back or uh, as he did, but like more or less until the prospects are able to fill their own. So they don't overexpose anybody. Correct. Yeah, since you brought up G-Man Choi, let's talk a little bit about our former angel friend. Now G-Man Choi obviously uh, didn't get much of an opportunity here in Anaheim. Um, I mean, uh, his highlight was hitting that uh, freeway series home run in like spring training that season. <laughs> and then uh, they DFA'd him, went over to Tampa Bay, and now he's with Pittsburgh. What's your opinion on the sample side you've gotten to see from G-Man Joy? Is he a piece that you see being around for a while for Pittsburgh since he did have such a good career with the Rays? I don't know because he's been injured for most of the year. He hasn't come back until the last couple of weeks. So he's more or less like uh, waiting in progress. So we don't really know what we have. Like he might be a year. There was an issue with him like being injured that so he couldn't play in the World Baseball Classic. And he hasn't really been able to get into form. He has had some solid power, but the average, unfortunately, hasn't been there yet. So once again, it'll have to be a few weeks before – we can really gauge what he is this year. Yeah, he's batting 186. He's got a non-base percentage of 210, but, you know, he only has uh, 18 games. So, like mm-hmm. you said, very, very, very small sample size. Was he uh, was he a signing or a trade for you guys? He was a trade. He was a trade from Tampa Bay. I think uh, we traded a prospect for him. Okay. Now, the game two uh, the, where the Pirates won three to nothing, this, this kind of sums up our frustration too with our coaching staff with the inability to hit with runners in scoring position last year we just couldn't even get guys on base we were like one of the worst hitting teams out there this year we're getting the hits but when the guys are there and they need to adjust in the box they don't do it we have a really crappy uh hitting coach in my opinion marcus thames who just tries to get the guys to hit the other way they don't believe in bunts don't believe in sacrifices and this game was for the for I don't know how many times I've seen it this year, but there was one of those karma moments where the Angels had the bases loaded in the bottom of the fourth with nobody out. And I've seen it too many times this year where they don't score. And that's exactly what happens. And the karma turns around. The baseball gods say, you blew your chance. We're going to give it to the other team. Because automatically, Detmers was dealing. And all of a sudden, Pittsburgh scratches across two runs right away. And, I mean, that's what we've done against – spot starters you know i mean you guys were throwing a bullpen game against us reed Mm -hmm. detmers has been pitching pretty good he's had a couple bumps but he gets no run support so all that came together and it just epitomized a long-suffering angel loss tonight uh, that night because sellout crowd saturday night fireworks pirates in town you know but three nothing i mean the offense just they were they're so thin-skinned they couldn't get past that we can't score. The Pirates put a deuce on us, and they went quiet till the ninth inning. Yeah, that's the kind of game that, I mean, the Pirates had for a while, like the same situation. Like they can't get runners on. They can't score runs. Whenever they get a chance, they squander it. So that's kind of the mirror image of what the Pirates season has been, especially since May, June. Like they had a long slump for a bit there as well. Uh, Reed Baruki, like he's more or less just a minor league call up. Like he's more just there to fill as a body until a few pieces come back. Plus with the Vince Velasquez injury, I think some of that as well as Vado like he's done okay, but I, he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be a long-term piece. Like he's more or less just did all right in the minor leagues. See what we got. Maybe long relief prospect, fifth best, fifth starter at best. 
So there is a little that there, but I mean, the pirates really didn't hit that well either. I know there were some like bits and pieces here and there. They did enough. Uh, Andy Rodriguez had his first home run, but yes. otherwise oh, yeah, like I, I, that's a game. The Angels should win, especially with Reed Detmers, one of your better pitchers against uh, uh, an opener. Yeah, like, that, that should be the one the Angels win 90 times out of 100. But that's the frustration that me and Fernando know about. Like, you probably know with the Pirates, and that's why our, you know, it's good talking with you because it's mirroring – both our teams are mirroring each other in a way because, you know, we have these games where it's like, oh, you know, that looks like a win. We're facing a spot starter. We'll have Sandoval, Detmers, or even Otani. And we're like, we got a good chance of winning that game. And all of a sudden it's like we're, you know, sixth inning and we're down a run, you know, or something like that. We haven't scored. So, yeah, this one was very, very frustrating, especially, too, we get the bases loaded in the ninth again, and it looks like we're going to get something off your all, all, you know, your pretty good closer. And then, boom, we just hit into a double play to end the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a bad base running double play, right? Wasn't it? Was it Taylor Ward who was a dead duck out there? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was watching the Barbie movie Saturday night. So, <laughs> <laughs> by the way, a lot better than I thought. I've heard yeah. that. I mean, like, I have to watch it as a punishment for clickbait sports. I have to dress up as Oppenheimer, which, <laughs> un- I mean, considering it's Barbie, I, I'm probably going to end up on a sex offender registry by the end of the movie. So, uh, yeah, go to a late watch. night showing. That's the best recommendation. Yeah, ever. late night, probably <laughs> Friday night. I'll probably go. Yeah, there make sure go. there's no. Probably zero kids there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I, if I dress up like that in front of kids, it's like uh, there are going to be a lot of uh, weird looks given my way. Yeah. And I'll be like, I'm sorry. I lost the bet. I don't think there's going to be. It's definitely not a, much of a kid's movie. So, you know, it's one of those movies I, that would go over most kids' heads. So <laughs> I think they more or less like tried to appeal them to the millennial crowd, Gen X crowd. You know, people grew up with it. Mm-hmm. And they did. So uh, the other thing I want to talk about in this game that was big, Shohei Otani with the hat trick. Yeah. Can't happen. Can't happen from mm-hmm. the guy who's supposed to be, I, I, dare I say your best hitter. I mean, I say that, but Mickey Moniak's, I, it's kind He's of hard to argue against him right now. That's what I'm saying, dude. Mickey Moniak kind of came out of nowhere. And uh, if you're, if you're, I don't know, I almost said Pittsburgh. If you're Philadelphia, you have to be kicking yourself at that trade. Not really. I mean, Brandon Marsh has done very well for Philadelphia. So. No, but that was the Noah Syndergaard trade. Oh, right. Brandon Syndergaard. Marsh was for Logan O'Hoppy. Now, essentially, it was kind of a, you know, it all happened on the same day. Yeah. So, I mean, it all blends together. But that was directly Noah Syndergaard for Mickey Moniak. Yeah. But Moniak never played well for Philadelphia. That's Correct. the problem. Yeah. It, so, it'd be the, uh, very similar to Joe Adele getting traded. And all of a sudden, he's a 300 yeah. hitter for, you know, whatever, mm. Tampa Bay, Oakland, you name it. Yeah. The only concern I have with Moniak is the strikeout to walk ratio is alarmingly bad. So and yeah. if in case the hitting goes, there's not much value otherwise. True. Yeah, that's fair. Now, the positive is that he is 25, so he's still very well not mm. into his prime just yet. And he's, he has he's, control. Exactly. He's a cheap, controllable piece. Um, and he's the kind of guy who you might be willing to give the keys to the kingdom by the end of the season. If he can continue to stay this hot, you might not have to worry about replacing Hunter Renfro if we let him walk after the season. Well, because now you got Mickey Moniak. The problem is going to be, you know, you're still going to need a good fourth outfielder because of Trout's injury history. Yes. His defense has been very much, uh, you know, much improved. Uh, he's been robbing home runs. 
making really good catches, stronger throws than Taylor Ward. Um, so I, I do, and he had to beg Nevin to get into the lineup versus lefties. He, you know, he didn't have the biggest sample size against lefties. I know it was bad, but, uh, he had to beg to get in there and he's, he's gotten some hits now, you know, he's, he's starting to get a little bit better, but I, I'm with you though. I would like for him to take some more walks, especially if he was going to be, you know, closer to the top of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, hit, he's striking out around 33% of the time, too, which is very high. That might hurt. Correct. Correct. Especially for a guy that's not much of a power hitter either. You I know, mean, he I mean, is hitting for some power. Like, he does have double-digit home runs. Well, yes, but he's not runs. Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn oh, no. is the kind of guy you expect at a 33% strikeout rate. You mm-hmm. know, not even Barry Bonds had those kind of numbers. Well, in all fairness, it's because he was getting intentionally walked most of the time. Yep. Um, the last thing I have about this game, Reed Detmers uh, pitched rather well. Five innings pitched, two earned runs, not much more you can ask out of a guy. Nine strikeouts for a guy who isn't exactly known to be a strikeout pitcher. Uh, he, he just kind of got beat by uh, by some good hitting by Pittsburgh. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Gerardo Reyes uh, continued to prove that I don't think he deserves to be up here just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, anything else about this game? Uh, no, no, I'm I'm good with that one. Okay, cool. So now let's wrap up uh, with Sunday's game. The Angels did take this game seven to five against the Pirates. I was able to watch uh, the the bulk of this game. Tyler Anderson did not have a bad outing by any stretch of the imagination, or at least for his standards. Right, um, six innings pitched, four earned runs. We'll take that out of Tyler Anderson. Uh, five strikeouts. Did give up one home run. His season ERA is now down to five point two three. Todd, what did you like out of Anderson this year, or this this start? Sorry, um, the fact that he got off to a rocky start. He could have. I mean, the, the the Pirates could have gotten three in that first inning. Um, after getting the first run, they had second and third. He battled out of it uh, to to keep it one nothing, and that was big because then Otani tied it right away. And then he just settled down, which we haven't seen much of Anderson do. You know, usually when he has a bad start, like the start before, he continues to just throw too many pitches, can't get the strikeout. Everyone's having at least seven to eight pitches seen, and uh, his pitch count goes through the roof. So uh, it was good to see him, like, kind of relax and get into form. And then, because uh, this was a game that we circled, I, th- I thought they were going to lose. I thought, okay, we'd win the first two. And then drop it to Keller because Keller is, you know, their best pitcher. Mm-hmm. And then we got Anderson going, and uh, but but Anderson he, he he outpitched Keller there, which was shocking, you know. Yeah, I mean that's disappointing from a Pirates perspective because this is the second straight start that Keller's kind of pooed the bed, mm-hmm. even though like I mean, like Tyler Anderson was. They do have some scouting against him because he played for the Pirates last year. He was actually really good for the Pirates last year, so you were able to trade him to L.A. the Dodgers and add them for their playoff push. So, I mean, if you guys want to trade Tyler Anderson back to us, we can work that magic back there, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, it's uh, – as I said, I expected to lose Saturday and then win Sunday, so it's kind of a wash, per se. Correct. But at the same time, it's once again, it's like the issues of Pirates uh, maximizing their ability and having those flashes of brilliance but not able to truly capitalize on them. And that's been their issue, especially – the past two months. What is your opinion on Tyler Anderson now where he currently sits as an angel? He has a war of 0.2. He's got five wins, two losses, 
ERA 5.23. He is making $13.3 million here. Yeah, that's that's unfortunately the issue. Like if he were a two, three million dollar pitcher, that's fine. $13 million coming off a big year with Pittsburgh and the Dodgers. That's bad resource management. And that's also a reason why you're having trouble extending the guys like Shohei and like getting to that luxury tax. Because I think he's under contract for another season or two, if I remember correctly. Two more years, correct. Oh, uh, yeah. Now, so that's that's an issue. Well, if you want Anderson back, he has control. You'll just have to yeah. take Rendon. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if the Pirates can pay Rendon. I mean, Bob Nutting is uh, notorious for not really spending that much on his team. Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to pay a bit more than that to really let us swallow Damn. Anthony Rendon. I, I thought you and guys Plus, we already it. have Cabrian Hayes at third, so he'd be a glorified DH. Mm. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you can put Rendon wherever you want. Chainsaw is going to be in the IL anyway. Man. <laughs> So keep that in mind. So, yeah, um, that that was the series uh, in a nutshell. Now, what do you think's been wrong with Keller? You said his last two starts, he did put the bed. We, we alluded to him a little earlier. Do you think he's a guy who the Pirates can continue to build their rotation around since Possibly. he has control over for, what, two more years? Uh, a couple more years. They'll probably end up extending him if all goes right. Because they've already done that with a couple of players. They've done that with Hayes. They did that with Reynolds earlier in the year. They'll probably do it with a few other guys uh, along in the future. So I think um, if they don't get like a King's Hall for him at the deadline, which is like a 1% chance of happening with him and Bednar, unless there's an extreme seller's market, I would say like I think he would be a piece you build off of in the rotation with him and Skeins, not to mention you have Priester coming up and a few other guys that could work out in the long term as well so like next year you need to see more consistency especially with that pitching staff like they had like their really great highs and unfortunately nowadays like they just can't seem to get off the hump or just like really just like break out like they i think keller's issue is i think they've zoned in on something in scouting and they're really emphasizing it and hitting so it's up to him to just readjust in that and i think at the end of the day i think He'll be okay. It's just like a little rough patch. Like it happens to every pitcher. There, there were some Angel fans that were talking about Keller uh, being a big fan of the Angels uh, growing up in Iowa because the uh, farm system was over there at the time when he was growing up an Angel fan. He's got a bobblehead of Mike Trout when he played there. Mm-hmm. Um, they were thinking just like Shane Bieber, they'll you know he'll come over to the Angels. Pipe dreams, right? Because yeah, maybe later on in his career, but. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see him going anywhere with Pitts, you know, other no, than Pitts. Not, not anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. All right, so <clears throat> the last two questions I have for you. Now, these are just, you know, because I, I know you're a great baseball mind. So I'm going to put you on the spot with both of these, and these can probably both be shorter question answers, I mean, because I know these are probably like – you can do a whole video about these. Okay, mm-hmm. number one. Will Shohei Otani re-sign with the Angels come this offseason? Because I don't think he's getting traded. I don't think he's going to re-sign just because uh, Artie Moreno doesn't want to go above the luxury tax. If there were no luxury tax, I think he would throw the bank at him if that were a chance. If there were no Anthony Rendon, he would throw the bank at him. But unfortunately, guess who's going to try and throw the bank at him? The L.A. Dodgers. Absolutely. Or maybe Dark Horse team, the A's, if they want to make a big splash in their new market in Las Vegas. Uh, that's definitely a hot take. I'd never heard anybody say that. Like, I mean, I <laughs> doubt it because they're not moving next year. Yeah. But yeah. I think like uh, if they need to get butts and seats, guess who's going to put butts and seats? Shohei Otani. Correct. Yeah, that's fair. 
Okay. And the last one I have for you. Will the Angels be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline this year? I think they'll be buyers because they want to maximize uh, Shohei Otani's value in the team. And if they're not selling Shohei, there's no reason to sell. I mean, they might as well just bolster and just go for like one last ride. I mean, I don't think you're going to do it. I don't think they have like the overall consistency to really do it. But you need to do something, especially since once you lose Shohei, and unfortunately it's probably only going to be for a compensatory draft pick because, once again, we mentioned Artie Moreno's allergy to the luxury tax. I mean, it's going to set the franchise back years. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if Artie Moreno was serious about winning and wanting to win, like he always says, you trade Shohei Otani. Because you you will get a haul and a half for that guy. You're going to get a haul and a half for him because there is no justification to say no. You can't be like, well, he's not worth that. Are you sure this guy's the best athlete probably in the world currently? uh, Yeah, if you get a trade him to say Baltimore, you're already getting starting with DL Hall, Heston Kirstad, and maybe another top prospect or two just for a rental of Shohei Otani. Exactly. And like I said, you can't say no to really any kind of offer because what we've seen out of him is unprecedented either way. Mm-hmm. So there is no justification. It's going to be the same thing this offseason. He can ask for whatever amount of money he wants. And, I mean, can you say no? You can't justify saying no because he is he is the one. He is the guy. He is the most talented athlete we've probably ever seen in our lives. He hits, you know, 480-foot home runs. He throws 100 miles an hour. He's just an absolute freak of nature. There's not a lot of humans that can do that. No. A lot of people tried, but correct. Exactly. Last question I have: It's not Angels related. It's actually Mets, because uh, Met, <laughs> because of what's gone on with their season, Steve Cohen and throwing all the money and them getting all them free agents, it's just not working out. It's a two-parter. Do you do they move Scherzer and uh, Verlander? And number two, do are they going to do part two of this next year in the offseason and just try to bring everybody in again? I have a few issues there. One, I think they're not going to be able to move them because Scherzer and Verlander have no movement clauses. And also they owed $14 million for the rest of the year. Not to mention their contracts next year. Nobody's going to take them on. They have negative value because their ERA is around four. I mean, if you're getting prime Verlander and Scherzer, maybe you might get something, but you're not going to get value because the money that you're paying them has depressed their value. So that will be an issue. And then number two, I think it would happen again because Steve Cohen loves just like <laughs> pushing money around. I mean, if he goes after Shohei Otani, he mean that means money is no object to that man. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't thinking Mets and Otani, but man. I don't think so either. But I mean, <laughs> with Steve Cohen, I am not ruling it out of the question. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think he understands the luxury tax or cares. So no, they call it the Cohen tax. I, I said before, like that is a source of pride to that man. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Appreciate the, uh, the insight. Like, I mean, with Shohei, you could do anything, but it's like, it's just daddy Steve. It's just like, he wants to see the Mets win. He will do everything it takes to see them win, which is why he threw all this money in the off season. That's why he nearly signed Carlos Correa, which would have been a disaster. If <laughs> I mean, you realize it now because he has not performed up to standard in Minnesota this year. Correct, because he's had what he had three different press conferences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, well, not I don't think he ever had official press conferences, but he was signed unofficially by three teams. Yeah, it's crazy because like maybe that injury to his foot is more serious than feared. Yeah, 
I mean, whatever it is, if kept it on the down low, other than pinpointing kind of where it's at, because, I mean, just I can't explain his drop off and then the fact that the other teams would just be like, nope, you know, I mean, like this is too, yeah. too risky, too risky. Mm-hmm. But uh, wow, I appreciate all the time. Uh, what What's your next project you're working on? I'm thinking maybe Dan Snyder, a legacy of failure. I'm thinking Ooh. that one because <laughs> okay. he has just sold his team. I think it's time to go over all the hits. I think so. I mean, because that that is a uh, man. Hell to the Redskins and all the glory they had up until yeah. Snyder came. That could, you know, he's the Artie Moreno before the Artie Moreno. <laughs> Not even Artie Moreno. Artie Moreno couldn't hold a finger to the damage Dan Snyder has done to that organization. He took one of the proudest franchises in football and turned it into a living shell of itself within 25 years. That dude should have been banned from the league 20 years ago. I, I can't wait to see that one. I'm a huge football fan. And by the way, too, are you going to leave any kind of like uh, like your suggestions or, or maybe your feelings towards what they're going to name the team next? Because I heard the Commanders isn't going to stick. Because they don't have the trademark for it. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> and they, they messed it up. It was such a bland name. Uh, what would I would find hilarious? They're never going to do it. Uh-huh. If they just name them the Redskins again to piss <laughs> off Dan Snyder and just give him a big fat middle finger. And I know there's going to be a lot of issues like, oh, it's like the name is like, has issues, but it's like, you know what? Screw Dan Snyder. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> like, it's not even just like, you don't even have to do like the old logo. Just do like a big middle finger and just have it towards Dan Snyder. That's all you have to do. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. I can't wait for it, my man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, plug the socials. Where can everyone find you? Where can they subscribe? Give them all the fun stuff. Absolutely. I'm available on uh, YouTube under Urinating Tree, uh, Urinating Tree on Twitter or X or wherever it's called now, Urinating <laughs> underscore tree on Instagram. And um, you'll probably find me on there. I do not have a Threads account and I don't really have interest in joining other social media, which is all the rage these days, apparently. You got to get on Threads. <laughs> you uh, that, gotta I, help like, I, I thought Threads has just plummeted over the past couple of weeks. Like it had that big push. And now it's like there's nothing there. It's basically just a comment section on Instagram. That's the best way to describe it. You ask yeah. me. Sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it out of us, right? That should do it. Uh, well, you can catch us on the flagship anytime you want to check out Angels Baseball. Like I said, urinating trees over there on YouTube. We're on YouTube under Halos in the Infield, obviously. And uh, we're going to be talking more about uh, the Detroit series in Toronto as we approach the trade deadline, the all-important trade deadline where's Otani going to be? Is he going to be with us or is he going to be somewhere else? And are we going to get a return or not? Because either way, I think at this point, the media is like, you're an idiot if you trade him, you're an idiot if you keep him, and you're an idiot if you let him walk. So we're not going to see who won that one until it's all said and done years from now. So uh, with that being said, everyone have a good rest of your evening, afternoon, or morning, and go Halos. Bye, everybody.